ultimately, um, moving intelligent is about moving with awareness. It's about moving with intent. You know, so having a clear reason why you're rolling your yoga mat out today, or why you're going for a walk in the woods today. That this can really help you to to have an, an, an intelligent experience. Um, it's about listening to our bodies, um, and then it's about learning to make the right choices for ourselves in a given moment. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hey there, welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am really excited to be sharing with you today about the practice of yoga, of intelligent movement, and really, I think, on a deeper level about how we create an intelligent life, you know, a life that is aligned with our sense of purpose, passion, and an expanded sense of self and sharing. We are talking with Dr. Andrew McGonaghy today. So you might know him as Dr. Yogi. He does amazing work supporting individuals in cultivating an intelligent movement practice. He teaches anatomy for yoga teachers, and he's a really I think profound teacher in breath work as well, which we might also put under the banner of yoga, which Andrew will explain to you in today's interview. Dr. McGonaghy has an amazing background. You know, he'll share his story of moving from medical training to his work as a doctor, to stepping into fashion, to, to finding his way to the yogic world in which he is training and sharing now. I think that you'll really enjoy this episode if you have a mindful movement practice, if you're thinking of starting a mindful movement practice, if you have interest in the mind-body connection, we'll actually be exploring the vagus nerve and how that is enhanced through yoga as well as how it actually supports you in moving into a state of rest and digest. <laughs> One of the things that I really enjoy is how Dr. McGonaghy explains boredom is really necessary in life and stress is really necessary in life. So listen out and let me introduce you to Dr. Andrew McGonaghy, Dr. Yoga Now. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am delighted to get the chance to sit down with you today, you know, morning here in Adelaide in the afternoon there in Los Angeles. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's lovely to connect with you. Just the miracles of modern day technology, eh? It's wonderful, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I, I think there's the technology component. And then also this is where the beauty of social media comes in as well, because I first started seeing your amazing um, wisdom and sharings on Instagram and really resonated with, with the work that you're offering there. Yeah, it's, lovely. it's, it's such a great way, isn't it? Just to connect with people from all over the world, often in a very kind of organic way. So yeah, it's lovely. I just, I'm always, um, I always enjoy just 
all the lovely connections that I develop with people through social media. It's so lovely, isn't it? It is. It's really special. And I'm, I'm wondering because you have a really interesting backstory as well that will, will lead into kind of our conversation today. But I'm just wondering if you could maybe share with listeners how it is that you came to sort of be a doctor and yoga and how this kind of world unfolded for you, if you don't mind, just to give us a little overview. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, you know, I am, um, you know, medical school is an amazing experience, but as I'm sure most of our listeners can imagine, um, it's a really stressful time, really stressful experience at the same time. And towards the end of medical school, I was finding that I was basically tired all the time. And I was, I was nervous about becoming a doctor anyway, but I was also particularly nervous about, well, if this is how I feel as a student, what is actually proper like working life going to feel like for me energetically? And a friend um, said to me, oh, have you heard about meditation? Now, bear in mind, this is going back to like 2005 when meditation was not talked about in the breadth that it currently is. So I was like, yeah, I've heard of meditation. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. It felt very kind of hippie and very kind of out there. Uh, And now it's just so common, which is amazing. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I ended up um, taking this um, meditation uh, course, which happened to be transcendental meditation. And it just blew my mind. And it was my first proper, um, I guess, spiritual experience. And it opened this gateway into this whole new kind of realm for me. Um, So I then um, started to work as a doctor, graduated medical school, worked as a doctor, um, found it incredibly stressful, um, had my meditation there as one of my um, kind of tools to just keep me somewhat anchored. But after less than a year, I ended up leaving the career. I, it just wasn't meant to be for me for so many reasons. And I just yeah. couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I was having persistent anxiety. I'd lost a lot of weight. And I was just like, yeah, like life's too short. This is not what I want to do. So unfortunately, I didn't have the luxury of knowing what I was going to do next. I had been on this conveyor belt, you know, since the age of like 15, knowing, oh, like I want to be a doctor. And all of a sudden yeah. I stepped off this conveyor belt. So I ended up moving to Australia. Um, yeah, I lived in Sydney and I worked in fashion. Now that it's very random trajectory, but basically I just, I just focused on my transferable skills and I had developed so many amazing skills as a medical student and as a doctor that really I was like I can bring this to any career that I want to and I focused on what I was passionate about and I was like yeah let's give this a go so I ended up um, having this really wonderful successful career in fashion and lived in Sydney for three years and on the way to work every day I walked past this really special yoga shala um, in um in Potts Point kind of area in Sydney. And um, yeah, I ended up, end up starting a regular yoga practice and it just, you know, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it really changed me from the beginning. I just felt physically better. I felt spiritually better. I felt mentally better. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a big part of me finding myself and deciding what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, yeah, and it was wonderful. And then after a few, a few years of dedicated practice, I just had this epiphany, oh, I want to become a yoga teacher. I could really see myself in that place. And I'm all, I've always been a natural teacher. So um, even at high school, I 
taught other students in my class <laughs> like they would come to me after school for like tuition so um yeah and then I became a yoga teacher and I've been teaching now for for 10 sorry 12 years and then um I also became a massage therapist and I was back assisting one of the courses that I had been on and a student kind of casually said to me have you ever thought about teaching anatomy and I'd literally never thought about it <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was so obvious that I couldn't see it. And then, and then I made a decision, yeah, this is what I'm going to focus on. So I've really been focusing on teaching anatomy to yoga teacher trainees and teachers um, probably for the last, I want to say like seven years. And this is what I kind of do full time now. I absolutely love it. So that is my journey from medicine to fashion to yoga and anatomy. <laughs> so next I'm going to become a pop star. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, Andrew, that's such an amazing story. And there's a couple of points that I think are really important for listeners there that, you know, the meditation came into your life at a time where you probably really like needed that anchor point. And I, I guess we don't know, because it also sounds like, you know, you've, you've moved really flexibly in the world, but I, I wonder yeah. how, you know, this big decision to kind of leave medicine might have been impacted by having had a space where, you know, you had what we can term, you know, a spiritual experience, perhaps a sense of something broader than yourself to kind of let go of this anchoring to yourself as, and I'm sort of saying in air quotes, you know, like a doctor that that had to be necessarily who you were that, you know, yeah. that, that rigid sense of self, it, it seems like you had a really flexible sense of self to, to step back and, and kind of look at what, what your transferable skills were and see who else you could kind of explore and move into in this world. Yeah, the meditation was a huge part of that. It just gave me space, yeah. you know, on a daily basis. It created space, like it, almost like physical space yeah. in my life where I could just pause. Yeah. You know, I could just be, and it allowed me to start to really deeply reflect on who I was and where did those ideas come from and what matters to me, you know, really what I want my daily life to look like. So it was, it was really profound because I think often people can be intimidated by meditation and think, oh, it's all about clearing your mind and, oh, how can I ever do this? For me, it was just about being still, you know? And yeah, some, and yeah, and sometimes, you know, thoughts would, would come, which was their natural gonna. And sometimes I kind of even let, let that process, like I didn't, I didn't even try to like acknowledge it and then let the thought move. I just, I sometimes I've just like, all I need this morning is 20 minutes of no stimulus, you know, I need just to be in a quiet space with my eyes closed and I need to notice what comes up and let whatever needs to come up, come up. And just having that as like a daily thing. And I tried to do, I really did it twice a day. I did it before and after work. It was just, just life-changing, you know? Because I think we all live such busy lives. And I often we wear busyness as a badge of honor, you know, and actually, through stillness, so much creativity can come up, you know, so much processing can happen. And yeah, it was amazing. I don't know where I would be if I hadn't had that, you know? Well, it really sounds like it was then um, instrumental in not just life-changing, in some ways life-saving. Like it sounds like what was going on in that mm -hmm. rat race that you were in, you know, I, I, ironically, you know, to, to support other people, which is, which is beautiful, but that you were losing yourself in, in that sense. And, you know, you've found these amazing ways to support individuals in a holistic manner now where it seems to me like you're able to really fill your cup and nurture yourself along yeah. the way. 
Yeah, I've just learned to basically put myself first because you can't support other people until you're able to really support yourself. And your meditation was a huge, like it was the starting steps of that, of, of gathering these tools through life that support me and allow me to, they kind of help me to continue like reveal who I am. You know, I think we're, we, you know, like I don't, I don't think, I don't think these practices necessarily change us, but they peel away like the layers, the onion, so that we kind of keep reminding ourselves on a daily basis, like who we are. Yeah. Um, because I think we just, all these filters and layers kind of get added on constantly and we lose, we can lose a sense of self. We can lose a sense of purpose. And I think that's what these practices mean to me today. You know, that's, that's really beautiful. And, and anyone who's sitting here going, wow, like there's stuff that's going on in my life. That's really tough, but like, there's no way out. Like maybe it's just finding that 20 minutes, you know, to sit down, to be still and to see what unfolds from there, that it's not, you know, asking someone immediately to, you know, let go of a profession or make dramatic change. It's just creating yeah. a little bit of space to sit and to, to tap into something deeper. Yeah. And then I trusted then that, the answers would come to me, you know, what, you know, if I needed to make big changes, I just trusted that if I gave myself enough space that it would all kind of fall into place, which it kind of has. And then, you know, I've always, trust, I remember, I remember getting ready to leave Sydney, I actually moved to London and it was 2009, so it was like recession, you know, you know, economy, all these issues. And I remember my dad saying like, this is probably the worst time imaginable to like move to London and try to kind of create a new career for yourself. And I just remember saying, I'm not gonna allow myself to like buy into that fear. I'm just gonna trust this is the right decision for me. I've sat with this for long enough and you know, and then I did, I moved to London and created something, you know, again, successful for me, you know, based on my own ideas of what success is. Yeah. So um, that's so beautiful. And it's interesting because at that point in time, so you were into your yoga practice very heavily, I'm gathering. And you had mentioned that yoga was like a place for like your spirit, your mind and your body. So all of these um, arenas, these parts of self were coming together and you were really filling yourself up. And it sounds like filling yourself up to the point that you were like very clearly going, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna trust this. I'm gonna trust I can, you know, let, let this unfold and make this work. And I'm curious about trust in the sense, because the way you teach anatomy is to me, like so beautiful, you know, you talk about moving intelligently and I'm wondering if maybe we can start into that because that actually does require a bit of trust in one's self and one's yeah. sensing of one's experience. Could you, could you speak to yeah. moving intelligently? Yeah. And I think it's a journey for sure. And I think it's something that we, we can always work on and we have to kind of cultivate it. You know, it takes time, it takes patience, but for me, because, you know, um, on a given day or in a given moment, we might, we need different things, don't we? So we might, we might find that on a certain afternoon, we need to be energized or we want to be energized. So it's about, it's about then finding a way to move that kind of feeds into that. Or we might just go, I need to be quiet, or it could be, I need deep rest, you know, or it could be going, I really need to do something with my hips this evening you know and I think that's what it is so it's it's about learning over time to kind of tune in to go inward really and look at you know what are my energy levels how is my mood right now how's my spirit how am I feeling physically and at, at the start often um we can we can go oh I don't I just don't know I don't know that I feel anything and then over time we we go on this journey where we start to go oh yeah I 
I know that I feel a certain way today, but I don't have the words for it. And then maybe with practice, with, with listening to that, we go, oh, this isn't such a pleasant thing or this, is, this was pleasant. And then over time, we basically find the language within to describe like how we feel. So it's a, it's a long, long journey. We have to start somewhere. And I think ultimately, um, moving intelligent is about moving with awareness. It's about moving with intent. You know, so having a clear reason why you're rolling your yoga mat out today or why you're going for a walk in the woods today, that this can really help you to, to have an, an, an intelligent experience. Um, it's about listening to our bodies. Um, and then it's about learning to make the right choices for ourselves in a given moment. And again, there's no like switch that you can flip and then all of a sudden, you know, you're moving intelligently. It's just about it's about trusting again that we have this innate intelligence and it's about revealing that through practice time and patience I guess that's so beautiful so it's this tapping back into a wisdom and I, I think it's like for me really interesting sitting here like putting on my psychologist hat for a second when you sort of describe that you know in the beginning we might not know what we're feeling and that as we start to practice more and more we might know we're feeling something and then maybe be able to start to go oh like not so great or mm -hmm. better um there's a term in an sort of psychological language alexithymia which is this inability to uh, to label, to notice our emotional mm -hmm. experiences, which, you know, in some cases is perhaps more neurological, but a lot of the time is something that's trained out of us. If we're yeah. taught from an early age that our emotions, which are a physical experience as well, yeah. if we're taught not to feel like, oh, you know, suck mm -hmm. it up, don't cry. Don't cry. We, yeah. yeah, we push <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that stuff down. We push our feelings down and that this actually correlates to um, like, ill health in, in a lot of ways that being able to label our emotions and express our emotions in a healthy manner is really associated with well-being and quality of life and mental health all these markers so it's interesting that there's another way of going into these feelings is to start like a, an intelligent movement practice that there's this intentionality and even in the beginning as you said start somewhere and see what's yeah. kind of revealed like what a what a beautiful way to tap back into and build our emotional awareness alongside our physical awareness because there's such overlap isn't there yeah completely and look and what what i what just came to mind when you were speaking is also you know that could also look like a journaling practice you know alongside this so it could be like i feel a certain way today and i and i, and I can't put my finger on it so you it could be like you know free freestyle writing you know just like like let it literally getting writing down everything that's on your mind but um you know that works really well for people what works for me personally it's not necessarily going to work the best for everyone else is getting on like rolling the yoga mat out you're going to um you know feel a certain way and then when i'm able to like have some stillness and then start to move my body often i'm able to go oh, all right this is what's coming up for me today here's that pattern again or here's that feeling again or here's that trigger that's coming up you know and yeah so it's it's about having different tools to help us can tap into that 
Love that you refer to them as tools. So listeners like think of this as tools, like figuring out what tool is going to be most useful for you in this situation. And I also love the idea of thinking of a yoga practice almost as like a journaling exercise, like seeing what the body is telling and unfolding because so much of our physical experience, you know, is, is this really stored wisdom of our life experience and something that we can, you know, heal through movement of if it is done in a safe and intelligent manner. Yeah, completely, completely. And I now keep my journal beside my yoga mat. So because so much stuff comes to me, really wonderful ideas or um, questions come up or answers to things come up. So I keep my journal there and I'll often pause during my practice and like scribble some stuff down and then go back to, to the practice. So I just, I find it, yeah, just a really kind of revealing time in my day and, and, a, and a really often a really creative time. Um, you used creativity earlier. You mentioned creativity and meditation as well, like the spaciousness that seems to open up and unfolding. Yeah, because I think, you know, it's, um, I think the term boredom has a really negative connotation, but basically boredom is highly, highly underrated. Like we actually need to be bored, like our nervous system needs to be bored. I and mean, essentially what that means to me is just kind of understimulated for certain periods of time, because, you know, if you think about it, we're constantly stimulated by artificial light, noise, vibrations, frequencies, like, you know, everything that's going on around us. And I think um, to allow ourselves to be bored (laughs) is really powerful (laughs) and can allow a lot of stuff to come up, you know? So, um, you know, can you, can you go for a walk and just not bring your phone and not have your, your earphones in, you know, can you, um, you know, can you just, again, it's just all about creating space, isn't it? Yeah. And how, how beautiful. I'm going to think of boredom as a tool now. <laughs> yeah, boredom is a tool. I think, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, think, think of it, think back to when we were kids, you know, when you were bored, often you would come up with some really cool way to entertain yourself, you know? Um, you know, we didn't have Netflix and, you know, I, we didn't have Wi-Fi, did, or, you know, we didn't have, didn't have internet, but, you know, when I didn't have internet at home until I was like 17. And, you know, so it's just, you know, and again, we've kind of lost, in a way, we've lost that skill. Mm. And, um, you know, we all can, could do with kind of on, un, 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 um, like disconnecting for, for part of our day, couldn't we? makes a lot of sense to me and it even you know in terms of when we think back kind of a, of the wisdom that some unfolded through your journey you know it was like these periods of spaciousness I think that by the sounds like often refilled your cup and and gave you a place to to slow down enough to sort of tap back into a values a broader sense of self and to make your next move if you were managing the discomfort the distress of the experience you were in by constantly reaching for the home the phone and grabbing you know a dopamine hit that way in a distraction, a way of disconnecting, I wonder how much longer you might've stayed on a path that wasn't for you and how your physical, emotional, spiritual health might've suffered as a result, you know, your, your vitality, if, if you hadn't had that space to, to tap into something broader. hundred percent. I'm just so grateful that, you know, these practices came to me at the right time, you know, I'm so grateful for that. And I think my life would look very, very different. And it's, it's also, it's why I love um, sharing all these things so much, you know, I love sharing these tools. And, you know, when I teach anatomy, it's not, 
it's not about learning the names of all the muscles and bones in the body. Like that's fine. That's great. It's, it's helpful for like a pub quiz or something, <laughs> or if you, if you really want to like show off as a yoga teacher or something, but you know, really it's, it's, it's a way to like remind people how amazing, intelligent, kind of miraculous their bodies are to kind of ignite that fascination um, in themselves. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, it's something, you know, so, so I, I share my experience, you know, through how I teach now. And um, yeah, I'm, I really love that. Coming back to that, you know, because listeners um, may or may not have like a base level of anatomy, but may be interested in a movement practice. And we talked about sort of coming um, with intent and this awareness of what's going on and really kind of moving into the space of what does your body need? How, how could listeners start, start a movement practice, whether it's a yoga practice or going out walking, out earphones in or whatever it may be, um, how could they do this if they do have, you know, injury in their body or, you know, perhaps a history of trauma, knowing that when we talk about journaling and kind of life experience held in bodies, some of this stuff sits here and we want to move into and move through in a safe manner. How, how do we start? Yeah. You know, it's just, um, it's starting, starting small, um, and starting regular, you know, so if, if you want to, um, start a yoga practice, for example. Um, I think, you know, the, the great thing is that there's so much amazing stuff online nowadays. And really, I think it's remembering that teachers are just there to offer guidance. And really, at the end of the day, you're going to have your own unique experience. So it's trusting that you have to, at the end of the day, you, you're the one that has to take ownership for your practice. So yeah, it's, you know, it's about, it's about really sensing into how different movements feel. And if something feels painful, it's completely okay to back off. You can still make a movement, but make it smaller or make it, you know, make it more, um, make the movement more slowly. Um, I think also, you know, when it comes to feeling pain or unpleasant physical experiences in the body, I think it's important to know that pain does not always correlate with tissue damage. So often we can think, oh, if something feels painful, I am doing physical damage to my body. And in most cases, that's not what's happening. So it doesn't mean therefore we should just push through that and always feel in a place of discomfort, but it's, it's um, you know, being okay to be playful and kind of play with the edges of these sensations um, you know, I think, I don't, I don't think yoga is a time to really sit in a place of pain. I think maybe if we're working with a physical therapist or something like that, sometimes feeling pain during an exercise is actually okay. And it's actually part of the recovery process. But um, yeah, so again, it's just learning to trust your body. Know that no movement is inherently bad, um, you know, and, um, you know, trust in your own inherent wisdom. And, um, and also reflect, like at the, if you've done a movement practice at home, um, afterwards reflect on how it felt for you. Notice how it feels the next day and use that as a kind of, as, a, as guidance, you know? And always, also always know that you can use your breath as a, as a, as a marker. So um, if you're in a, in a certain position or making a certain movement and your breath feels labored or it feels difficult to, um, 
to breathe fully, um, there might be a better position for you, you know, that you can adjust yourself into where you can breathe a little bit more fully or, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's just knowing that we have all the, all those tools again at our disposal and it's just trying not to be fearful. Um, yeah. So that's starting small and also the reminder that pain is not inherently a bad thing either. I think that's really interesting because in our society, you know, we are phobic of anything that feels uncomfortable often. Yeah. And we try and push away whether that's an uncomfortable emotion that comes up or an uncomfortable sensation, but that maybe if we don't have that lens, if we kind of explore it in finer detail and, you know, check in with our breath and where, where we're at, it's not always going to be that, you know, we're ripping, tearing, damaging something. It could just yeah. be that it's an uncomfortable new sensation. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, um, it's, it's actually, look, in, injuries in yoga can happen, but basically, typically for an injury to happen, we need speed and we need external force. <laughs> and, you know, yes, in yoga, we do use our body weight quite a bit, but I just think, um, you know, there's, and the great thing is there's a lot of studies nowadays that look, that look into injuries and yoga and compare them to different activities. And actually yoga... Um, is, is, is pretty safe in, 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 um, in a general term. Look, all, all movement comes with a risk, For sure. a, a risk of injury, you know, and different activities and different movements will have, will have different risks. But um, yeah, just, just also knowing that it's, it's, it's gonna be low risk and um, yeah, and if, and if your body's speaking to you, listen to it and, and respond accordingly. And that can take time. And that, that's when a, the guidance of a teacher can, you know, can definitely be helpful. You can um, ref, reflect to the teacher what your experience has been. And they can maybe offer some guidance. Yeah, so some journaling work perhaps to kind of look at how you felt before, after, you know, the next day working with a teacher for a little bit of support, going slow in the beginning, building up that knowledge. And then it sounds like, you know, as, as our awareness of self you know, and our physical experience deepens, maybe we move, move into bigger shapes or different shapes or more dynamically. You mentioned breath as a marker. And I'm really curious yeah. because you have amazing wisdom around breath. So yoga is not just the physical shapes that we're making then. Yeah. I think, you know, um, for any of us at home who have a regular yoga practice, I think we we know that we, I think we recognize it in ourselves that yoga is so much more than, than the physical shapes that we're expressing. I think it can be very easy to, um, particularly through social media and marketing um, to, you know, link yoga to a specific position or, or movement. Um, you know, we've become very um, focused on what yoga looks like and really it's not a, it's not about that um but yeah yoga is so much more you know yoga is a um it can be thought of as a philosophical practice or discipline and um the asana the physical practice is part of that and often what 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 um is referred to are the eight limbs of yoga you know so um the first two limbs the um yamas and niyamas are um really a way about they're, they're kind of like an ethical code in a sense it's how we how we look at ourselves and how we look at others how we treat ourselves how we treat others and then there's the asana the physical practices pranayama 
um, which is the, the breath, which is um, controlling the breath. And then there are other disciplines within that. Yeah, so yoga is so much more um, than the physical. And the nice thing is that um, it's, it's okay to go to yoga, to go to a yoga class purely for the physical. And what happens is these other wonderful elements often like creep up on us. <laughs> you know so we get like more uh, we get more for our money <laughs> we, get, bonus, we get all these bonuses bonus yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, a really but, really yeah. nice reminder that um that you can start for the physical or explore it for that element you know if your body is feeling you know not so many of us sitting at desks and things these days that if your body isn't feeling great maybe starting to get a form of safe movement into your life and that these other elements might creep in yeah yeah completely and you know the the breath is just so powerful um our respiratory system is the only system in the body that has both involuntary and voluntary control yeah so so you know if you're um daydreaming on the sofa you're still going to be breathing but then you can go to yoga and do you know um, actual breathing practices where you control the length of the inhale or exhale where you um you know control the, the, the pauses between the inhale and exhale and, and, and play and manipulate the breath in these ways. So really then we can use the breath as a gateway to interact with all the other systems inside the body, particularly the nervous system. Um, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, the practice of yoga is so powerful. It's powerful for many, many reasons, but, um, you know, we can actually end up um, playing changing our our um our physiology like through the way that we that we breathe so um yeah it's super powerful it sounds like one of the most powerful tools to literally be able to change you know um an unconscious system right generally we do think our nervous system is an unconscious system but here you're saying oh you can consciously deliberately uh change your flow of breath and the rest of the system's going to be altered as well like how empowering and what a different way than just like that disconnect that um that we often are prone to or have sort of been taught in in our society yeah it's, it's pretty amazing and during the pandemic i started a more regular breath work practice with a friend um, held held space and ran these workshops. And I believe that breath work is simply uh, a Western way of saying pranayama. Um, you know, so pranayama is the word we would use in yoga. And I believe that a lot of breath work is very much based on um, different pranayama practices. But yeah, so it's it's I you know it's been a while since I have done like dedicated breath work. And it, it's so powerful. You feel your whole nervous system reset. You can feel your whole body tingle. You know, it's almost like it's kind of rewiring itself in a sense. And it's, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And it was, again, another, I'm going to use that word tool. Uh, it was just such a wonderful tool through the pandemic, um, you know, to help me feel anchored and um, help me feel like deep, a deep sense of rest. It was It was really wonderful. So again, I'm really grateful that that kind of, came into my life at that time yeah and listeners maybe are sitting there thinking oh, i'm grateful i'm hearing this right now this is something for me to explore and and there there's some beautiful benefits so you've kind of mentioned the nervous system reset and and i know you're quite knowledgeable on the vagus nerve and really um i guess would you mind explaining to listeners what the vagus nerve is and then maybe we could lead into some ways that yoga or you know yoga practices like you know even an eye pillow might support our vagus nerve sort of tone essentially 
Yeah, sure. So um, the vagus nerve is a cranial nerve, which means it doesn't exit the spine, but actually exits the skull. And the term vagus um, is, is Latin, it essentially means wandering. So basically this is a, a long nerve that innervates um, part of the face. So it innervates um, part of the brow, the outer ear, um, and, and then it travels basically down the throat and innervates most of the organs in our body um, other than the um, adrenal glands. And the, the vagus nerve is part of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest response, which is what balances out the fight or flight response from the um, sympathetic nervous system. Um, so, you know, stress can have um, a negative connotation again, but it's something that's totally vital for our survival. Um, it's just that currently in the life that we're living, um, what tends to happen is that the stress dial is kind of turned up for a lot of people. Um, the parasympathetic system is always going to be there in the background, but um, we can use um, yoga practices, pranayama practices to basically switch up the parasympathetic dial, <laughs> switch up the rest and digest and create a little bit more balance. So yeah, so um, when we say we're doing more of a restorative practice and, and we're in Shavasana on our back, we can use a slightly weighted eye pillow. And, it, and when we put weight on the eyeballs, it has been shown to um, stimulate um, part of the, the vagus nerve, which is really exciting. Um, and basically the, the, the breath is one of the key ways. So when we inhale, our heart rate increases. And when we exhale, our heart rate decreases. And that's just a natural phenomenon that's completely recognized in the medical world. So in yoga, what we tend to do is we tend to focus on lengthening the exhale. And what this does is it slows the heart rate. And then the, the vagus nerve picks up on that. And it's a two-way system. So um, part of the vagus nerve picks up on this slowing of the heart rate and sends messages back to the central nervous system and allows us to kind of, the central nervous gives us permission to go into rest and digest. It feels safe, essentially. Um, and then the other beautiful thing about yoga is um, yoga creates a sense of community often. And so much about um, feeling safe is about being able to be vulnerable with, with people around us, having meaningful interactions. And again, when we feel safe in that way, this can help to switch up the dial of the, the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you're going to like a kirtan where you're doing yoga chanting, not only is the chanting and the prolonged exhale stimulating the vagus nerve, but that sense of community um, and building meaningful relationships all feeds in to one another. You know, so you get um, you get a double whammy again. You get your bonus. <laughs> you get all these bonuses we get. <laughs> so beautiful in this like idea of chanting in time, breathing in time, moving in time with people. And I, I think one of the things that you know, and the, the world in lots of places is starting to come out of lockdown. Australia's starting to go into lockdown. We're a little bit on a different schedule, but um, you know that yoga studios have offered like real time classes, so that even if you can't physically be in proximity with people that you can have, you know, people up on your screen and you're still in this community, creating community. I think that's really quite powerful when we look at how we do manage that uh, perceived social disconnect in these very unusual times, because it is so important, isn't it? 
Yeah, 100%. I think that sense of community and having, again, it's all about meaningful interactions with people. Uh, and that can also go beyond, obviously, the yoga studio can be meaningful interaction with your partner, with family, with neighbors, you know, with colleagues. So, um, yeah, you know, whenever we, whenever we feel that we're able to be vulnerable with people, then. And there's a, there's a guy who's this expert on the vagus nerve is called Stephen Porges, and he says it's all about, um, I don't, I don't, I'm probably going to paraphrase, but it's about, I think he says something about being comfortable in the arms of another, you know, so allowing ourselves to be held um, by someone else, you know, is a great way to stimulate the vagus nerve. So yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So that vulnerability and that sense of safety of being able to let go and, and trust again. Yeah. Not healing. Yeah. So how can, you know, listeners, if they have not got a, you know, yoga practice, a mindful movement practice, a breathing practice, anything yet, where, where can they start? Like, what's the, what's the easiest avenue forward from here? Um, you know, I think there's a, just a lot of great resources out there, whether it's on Instagram or on YouTube, or whether it's trying to connect with the local studio, it's just seeing what resonates with you. And knowing that there's just a lot of great tutorials and classes out there and yeah, just see, see what kind of vibes with you. Um, I think that's a really a good place to start. And then over time, you know, you could maybe then start your own kind of self-practice, you know, whether that's a breathing practice or a movement practice. But I think at the start, it's always nice to get some sort of guidance, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, maybe not too long in the future, we can go back to having like physical classes again and things like that but yeah just I would um yeah I would just have I would have a look you know if, if you enjoy social media definitely you know have a look on there I I actually do these little posts every Monday where I do like a short practice and it can be like two minutes it could be like yeah. a jaw release or a neck release or something so you know that you know um there's tons of stuff like that online and yeah just to have a look out there and see see what resonates. Could you actually let listeners know where they can connect with you, you know, where they can tune in for their Monday sort of reset? Yeah, yeah. So my, um, the best place is probably like Instagram or Facebook. So I'm at Dr. Spelt Out Yogi. Um, so that's probably a good place to come and join me. Yeah, I, I put, you know, I really enjoy sharing on social media. So share a lot of, um, you know, good content. So yes, yeah. and it's so it's generous. So at Dr. Yogi and um, Andrew, your website? <laughs> Yeah, so it's doctor spelled out um, dash yogi.com. Yeah, and listeners, I'll be putting it all in the show notes, but you also have a mailing list where people can keep up to date with yeah, people you know, can, the offerings you have too. Yeah, I do. So I um, do these regular um, myth or fact um, like emails that I send out. I send out like every two weeks. And basically, I think, you know, not everything in the yoga world needs to be evidence-based. You know, not everything in the world needs to be evidence-based, but I think what I found over the years is that there's just a lot of kind of unsubstantiated claims made about, oh, do this pose and it's gonna help with this thing. And, and often that's completely anecdotal or there's literally no evidence whatsoever to kind of back it up. So it's, I don't wanna take away from like the yogic traditions, but it's, I'm adding another perspective so that people can maybe think just a little bit more critically. So I do do like a kind of myth busting newsletter that goes out. Um, so people seem to 
enjoy that yeah you can sign up via my social media or via my website yeah that's a good one. yeah and I think I mean that's one of the things that is really important I think is kind of knowing where there's evidence and where there's not and having this ability to kind of look at the two so listeners if that's your jam as well I I certainly resonate with it and I, I love watching yeah. um because you also share some of it on Instagram and social media as well as in the emails like you know following following someone who has the knowledge to unpack these things is really useful and then as you said it's not everything so having one's own experiences and journaling and reflecting there's another side to the practice but this might be might be useful and interesting too exactly and i think i i just want to help people to figure out for themselves how to think and how to kind of find their way through things you know and i think you know a good thing to notice is that no matter how experienced a yoga teacher is they can't ever tell you what's best for you like you have to figure that out for yourself. So I think often people will go to your class and want to be told what to do, but really, again, it's just guidance and you have to take the kind of ownership to um, be willing to be flexible with that, pun intended. And because um, <laughs> everyone's obsessed with flexibility and yoga. Um, you know, you have to be flexible to work with that, but also, and then, you know, be willing to like move beyond those boundaries to, to figure out what's um, kind of good for you. I think that's a really nice sort of note to finish up on as well, isn't it? This idea of, you know, you know what's best for you. And, and you know, when you may go to a yoga practice, kind of honoring that. So something suggested or offered that you can kind of tap in and go, well, maybe not today. Maybe that's not feeling um, where it's at for me. Or maybe, you know, I'll add a little bit more to this, whatever it may be. But having working to cultivate that, that sense of self and awareness in terms of what we need really links back to that intelligent movement practice. And from yeah. there, you know, all of these intelligent moves that we can make in our, our lives, even if we don't know exactly where it's going, stepping away or stepping into different things that, that light us up and create a sense of vitality. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Listeners, head to the show notes to grab the links and to, to connect with Andrew. And of course, yeah, follow along and, and enjoy the myth busting with me. Yes, please do. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. No doubt you are reaching for an eye pillow, a mat, and a journal now. I really love the concept of these practices being tools, you know, things that we can use in our lives to check in, as well as to cultivate health and well-being, our physical, emotional, and spiritual so, of course, head on over to dr-yogi.com to connect with Andrew there, as well as on Instagram, Facebook, at Dr. Yogi. Everything will be in the show notes, so you can just head to drcaitlin.com and grab links to, um, to follow up further. I wish you well. I wish you health and movement, intelligent movement. And really this opportunity to explore what's showing up for you and, and to heal in a safe manner. So making sure that you are taking care of yourself as you move forward in this journey. All right, I will let you go. Enjoy your week ahead and I'll look forward to connecting with you in the earbuds soon. Bye for now.
Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.